And welcome back to another episode of Lost and Down. We are your host. I am Steven. He is Wally. He is David. Before I toss it over to the boys, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by TabEase.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Use promo code football for 20% off that order, as well as free shipping. It's been a week. All we've been talking about is the Jeffrey Dahmer show. Hope everyone at home is watching it. Wally, how has your last few days been since seeing our gorgeous faces? It's going pretty well. I've actually been watching that. Like you said, I'm a little behind you guys, so we won't have spoilers for anyone at home this week. So be pre- prepared for that. If we're talking about it, he later kills on. people. Sorry. Yeah, I had, that's I had pretty to get much the spoiler. A, yeah. It's, it's a tough watch. I'm not going to lie to you. Not because it's not good quality, but the content itself. But other than that, I, I just wanted to tell you guys a quick little fun tidbit of yesterday for me. So I went to the pirates finale where they played yeah. the St. Louis Cardinals because it was Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina's last series in the bigs, at least for regular season. There's a million Cardinals fans. I'm one of the only pirate fans in, in attendance. <laughs> and I got to watch Yadier Molina play, at least in at bat. They didn't play Albert Pujols. So I miss watching Albert Pujols. I pay money to watch a Pirates team Win a game where I don't know if either of you are aware of the bet. My dad and I had a bet at the beginning of the baseball season who was going to have a worse overall record and who was going to have a worse head-to-head record. The Pirates had a one-game quote-unquote lead going into yesterday against the Reds. Won their game because, of course, they had to, where even when I want them to fail, they can't do that right. The Reds then decided to lose 15 to two. So the Pirates and Reds were deadlocked at 62 and 100 each. And the Pirates beat the Reds more than they beat or lost this year. So I lost the season bet. So now I'm on the hook to pay for the gas, the food, and the tickets at the Hall of Fame. We're doing a basically a weekend during the offseason where we're going to drive over there, have fun with that. But now I'm on the hook for the entire thing because the Pirates can't even lose the way they're supposed to lose anymore. So that's how I'm doing. I hope you're doing better, David. How are you? I'm great. But can we, (laughs) you know, speaking of Pujols, can we just agree he's juicing or corking the bat? Because the MLB is turning a blind eye because they want to create some hype for the sport again. It's the same thing that happened in the late 90s. Yeah, like, I, I like it's the exact is, same thing. The guy's been dead. Like he might as well not be breathing on on the bench for the last four years, and suddenly he hits what? What is he at? Thirty four home runs for the it's season. Twenty four, but he's had like three hundred and fifty plate appearances, which is like half of the number he was having in his prime. Right. I, I'm just. I am. I am fully on board with the guy's juicing or corking his bat because I, they wanted to see him get over seven hundred. I'm just. For I, sure. I, that's it. Well, it's what, baseball's first, trying to actually become relevant again. First non-American to have to hit that mark, right? Of over that 700 mark, I'm pretty sure. And only like how many well, people think, of all time? I have was going to say, I think it's what three. I think it, it's Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, Babe, and now Babe Albert Ruth, Pujols. Albert Pujols. Oh yeah, did, did I not say Babe Ruth? No, you said other people. I already forgot. I wasn't paying attention. I definitely had to have said Babe Ruth. If no, I didn't, you said Bonds and and Aaron. Bonds, oh, Hank I guess Aaron, not. Yeah. yeah, but first, so, first, a more American-born baseball player, right? Or no, non-American-born baseball player. There we go. That makes more sense coming out now. Yes, it does. 
But you're right. You're absolutely right. And he's one of the best ever. So it would have would have been cool to see him play. But hey, who knows? Hey, did you see him in the dugout at least? Yeah, I mean, myself and the 25,000 St. Louis Cardinal fans were chanting Albert Pujols in the ninth inning. I was actually rooting for the Cardinals because of the bet I obviously lost. So I was ready for it. They even, it felt like it was going to happen. It felt like if they got one more batter, then we would have seen it. But instead, the Pirates made one of the best defensive plays of the entire year because, of course, they would. Those damn Pirates. We don't how are really you guys them, doing, though? You guys haven't answered me yet. I need to hear how your guys' worlds are going. I'm doing fine. great. Good talk. Yeah, you talked enough. Now I just want to talk. I, I just cannot stand baseball that I'm – now we need to talk about football just so I don't have to think about it again. This is my favorite time of the year. It's October, which means it's fall. It feels crisp outside. It's beanie season while they're already rocking it. And no baseball's baseball. over. Wait, what? Playoff and baseball is about to be over. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Friday, no. 12, baseball 10 p.m. Get That's, ready. Oh, I'm getting ready. We don't really have that much NFL news this week. We're just going to break down the Monday night football game that we all unfortunately had to witness. Then we're going to get right into our week five picks here. San Francisco 49ers win 24 to 9 against the Los Angeles Rams, where it's only the second game without a touchdown in the Sean McVay era that the Rams offense haven't been able to put up pretty bad. We all know Cooper cup and what they're able to do, but I want to hear from you guys before I kind of give my two cents on this game, David, Jimmy G's back. Was that two in a row? No, I don't think they beat Denver last week. Too many damn games, but now they're back in that win column. Looks like they're leading the NFC West as of right now. Any huge takeaways from the game outside of Sean McVay, still Kyle Shanahan's bitch. The Rams are in a tough spot. They're so <laughs> My fucked. only takeaway that they look terrible compared to last year. The offense is bad, and I I don't even think Stafford's playing much worse or much differently than he played last year. They're still forcing the ball to Cup. That's the only thing that looks right is the Stafford Cup connection. I think they're missing Robert Woods or really any receiver as a deep threat. That's all I can come to, that in and having an abysmal running back room. But I don't know. They just look bad, like very, very bad. The Rams' offense looks inept. It looks like they've never opened up a playbook. I'm on your side with the Robert Woods because they haven't looked the same. Now, granted, he tore his ACL last year, so we didn't see a lot of them that much anyway. But where the hell is Allen Robinson? Wally, I feel like you kind of went on went in on this. Let's go to the other side. What did you what were your takeaways from San Francisco's defense on Monday night? Well, I mean, they have right now a lower yards per play allowed than the 85 Bears in the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. Which Holy shit. If yeah, so naturally they have good? the best. Yeah, it's it's okay. Naturally, they're number one in at the NFL right now defensively. You have PFF's highest graded safety in Talanoa Hufanga. I think I pronounced that right. I think you got it. And people were afraid of his 40 time going into the draft because he was like a 4-6 player. It just goes to show that combine speed, off-season speed is different than on-field speed. And he's a football player. And he is very, very good. Very, very early. But just to give you an idea of Monday night, the Niners defense... Nine points, 36 pressures, 11 quarterback hits, nine tackles for loss, 
seven sacks, 3.8 yards per play against two takeaways in that touchdown from Hufanga I was talking about. So it's been everything that you could have hoped for on that side of the ball. Now the offensive side, they don't look amazing, right? You know, you still have, you still have a couple of key injuries. You still really haven't gotten George Kittle going in that offense, but they like Jimmy and they win with Jimmy somehow. Don't be fooled by Jimmy Garoppolo's what he had like 250 plus passing yards over 80% of those yards were after the catch. For instance, Debo Samuel, he had 116, a hundred of those yards came after the catch. And we all know that 57 yard touchdown that he had that should have been intercepted, but somehow Debo came away with it and made everyone his bitch on that run to the touchdown or to the end zone there. I'm just saying it now they keep this going with how unpredictable this whole division is between what the hell are we getting out of Seattle, Arizona will Arizona, and will the Rams ever get their shit together? Why would the San Francisco team not be favored to be fighting for the NFC Championship again? At that time of year, we saw what happened, unfortunately, for your Packers at Lambeau Field last year. When the defense is playing at that level, you don't need to be scoring a ton of points. It took basically Jimmy Garoppolo having – a terrible second half of that NFC title game last year to keep them out of the Super Bowl. So we're very high on the 49ers on this podcast. I think all three of us are. As much as it pains me to say it, I am always, I don't know why I like these West teams. All they've done through the better half of what I've been able to remember in NFL games is just rip my heart out between San Francisco and Seattle. And now we get another dose of San Francisco kicking Green Bay's ass. I'm so fucking sick of them, but Got to give credit when, when credit's due here, but let's get to it. The real reason. This is what keeps bringing the people back. Well, maybe not you, Wally, but at least me and David. That's the They keep coming back for us. We're going to go with the week five preview. What the hell's going on out here? Before we toss it over to Wally to go over the records, we want you to know this week five preview is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're all of our ages where it feels like there's weddings, college graduations, baby pictures, you name it, they're happening every single weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself at abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on her Instagram, Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. Wally, four weeks underneath our belt, first season of the month. How did we do last week and what are the overall so far? Well, you and David did really well last week. Steven, you definitely had the biggest week out there. You went 29 and one, and that is not 29. That is 20, pause, nine losses and one. We all had a tie this last week, thanks to, I want to say the Buffalo game was minus three. But yeah, you brought up seven units. David was up a, a unit and a half last week. And unfortunately, I'm bleeding you guys about two units a week right now. So I just need you guys to to wait for me to to eventually get hot because there's too much good mojo between you two right now for me to continue to be a unit or two down a week. I can't have it anymore. So keep riding with those two. I promise we'll get there. I promise. Accountability matters. Hey, we're all all accountability buddies here. Again, I always keep bringing it up because it's going to happen. We didn't really start hitting our hot streak till the end of the season. We're still figuring these teams out. Injuries, people coming back, this, that, and the other. We're going to get it right, all of us. I'm just going to say we might go undefeated this week. I'm just going <laughs> to say hope. it. I'm just going to say it. 
starts off tonight. So this is going to be the captain hindsight pick that we have here. The Indianapolis Colts traveling to mile high to face the Denver Broncos, where they are closing in as a three and a half point favorite right here. Broncos country, let's ride. Obviously, we have a couple big things here. Jonathan Taylor out. We have Shaq Leonard out with the concussion this week. I cannot pick for the Colts here. I'm going to have to go with the Denver minus three and a half and give me their money line. Without those two, here's a unit that is turnover differential, number two in the league, second worst with minus six, going up against a top defense. And Pastor Tank can probably guard every single one of these receivers at the same time because who the hell are they? And they're top six in most of these categories. Both these offenses have, haven't really given me any hope, but I'm going to trust Russ's cooking over Matt Ryan's baking. Give me that three and a half Broncos. Broncos country, that's all I'm saying. I'm so fucking tired of hearing that let's ride thing. They're going to hear it like three times in this little stretch. That's so- right. Broncos country, let's ride. All right, I lied. I, it, it's coming back. Yeah. David, how are you doing on this game? Are you with uh, Steven and the donkeys? I got Denver as uh, three and a half point favorites and I got them at the money line. And this is my worst quality game of the week contender because I don't want to bet on this garbage with just with JT and and Leonard out. The Colts are for sure the worst team in the NFL. They've looked like it, but now they're now they are, in my opinion. And the Broncos offense is terrible. It's going to be Broncos defense, keeping the Colts out of the end zone that that helps me win this. But it's just a gross all-around game for me. It is. And you two like to give me a little bit of a hard time because we're obviously and always changing the lines all the way up until right before we do this show because at the end of the day, we're doing these picks for the listeners at home. And I was kind of the one upset with myself this time because I wanted the Colts plus three. But with that extra half a point when it came into the mix, I don't know what it is. It, it kind of just scared me off of the Colts. I mean, Jonathan Taylor's not playing. Shaq Leonard's not playing. Those are the best two players on the roster that are not in this game. And they haven't been good in pass pro. So it, it feels like a good matchup for the Broncos. And at some point, we just got to figure the Broncos are going to figure it out on offense. Russell Wilson hasn't been good. And I want to point something out to you guys because I heard it on Around the NFL podcast and I did my own digging after, but he has carried the ball, or last year, excuse me, in a 17-game season, he only played 14, but he carried the ball 24 fewer times than his previous career low. That was 43 versus 67. And he's also not getting the yards when he's running anymore. He's turning into a statue in the pocket. That was kind of what made Russell Wilson special before. If it's just completely leaning on his arm now, it makes you wonder if we've seen the best days from Russell Russell Wilson and they're behind us. And for that reason, I'm going to take them because I want to give them one more real crack this year to prove me wrong. So I've got Broncos minus three and a half, but I'm taking the under 42 and a half. I have this 24 to 14. I know it's too early, but shout out to you. If you if this rust trend continues, you called this in the offseason when you went to Denver. Oh, so. it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. All right, yeah. I you still don't coaching? like Smith. You think it's the coaching? And hear me out why I asked that. Yes. Baker Mayfield, who we all know is having a terrible season. We, we don't have to address that yet. But Baker Mayfield with the Browns was 
exponentially better on rollouts. In the minutes Stefanski got there, everything became a rollout. Everything became a play action. Everything became a rollout because that's where Baker excelled. Do you think that this is a Russ thing, or do you think that it's a coaching thing that can't scheme around his strengths and weaknesses, or do you think it might be a little bit of both? Every time I hear Nathaniel Hackett talk, I'm like, this dude's an NFL head coach. I just can't see it. I just I feel like he's too he's too chill with them. And I get it. Being a player coach is awesome. I would personally like to be playing for a for a player's coach. I just feel like he's being too much of your friend. Like he's like he's like that meme of um oh why why can't I think of his name? He says, Hello, fellow youths. Uh oh, yeah, fucking Steve, Steve Buscemi. Buscemi. Yeah. That's that's what I think Nathaniel Hackett's like. And I just don't like Yes, he's an ex-Packer, but he didn't really, from what I understand, he wasn't really playing or doing a lot of play calling. When you have Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur doing yeah, that. It's the yeah. Eric B. Enemy thing. It's, it's the same factor. Exactly. So I'd, I think it's going to be it's going to be coaching. You can sprinkle in a little bit of just not having that. Yeah, you see the workout videos for the offseason, but just lack of preseason reps. And now you're just going to be trying to get it right in real time. It never looks good. That's what it kind of looks like now, but. My foot's more in the coach's door than it is on the Russell Wilson door right now. See, I'd push back, actually. I'm going to say that it's more Russ. And here's my reason, is that this isn't just a problem that's been this year. We have now heard for several years the whole let Russ cook movement started because the Seattle offense was stagnant and not moving the ball. Yeah, they threw the ball a little bit more. They changed their identity. They had like six weeks of windows where they looked really good. But this has been a problem for years, and it goes back to what I mentioned with the rushing for him. I mean, it's not even just the attempts that are going down. He doesn't seem as mobile. The yard per attempt are going down as well. I don't know why, other than perhaps Seattle could have thought or, or foreseen him aging poorly. And that's why they decide to go with old Pete Carroll. I'm, I'm not doing the Geno Smith thing to do the Geno Smith thing right now, but look at the success he's having up there after what was up there last year in Seattle. I, I think, I, I think that's more of a, the Russell Wilson win, window here. I think Geno's more bought in than what Russell would be at this point in his career into the offense and what he's trying to do. Cause those are two different players. I was thinking about this earlier. I'm like, well, if I'm Geno, I feel like I'm kind of going into a, a shitty situation. But Gino knows the player that he is. He knows that he is not Russell Wilson, nor will he ever be. But he understands that if he just works, does his job, and he can buy, he'll buy in a little bit differently. Something Russ just hasn't been doing the last couple of years. So I think that's a big input on that too. But I, I definitely agree with your side too. I, I just like my thought is if the system isn't working in Denver right now, the system wasn't working with Russ in Seattle last year. At some point, he's the common denominator. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Good question, David. What do you think? I don't know. I, You know, it could be age, it could be rust, but like rolling out of the pocket is more of a play design thing unless you're sprinting for your life. You know, Which is what he was doing all his career in Seattle. <laughs> that's true. I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't really know the answer because I don't watch enough Denver Broncos offense because I don't want to watch them. You'll get all. plenty of it tonight. <laughs> I, I was hope about you to enjoy say, it. I know, I know. I, it's just... Tape your eyes open, man. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Well, if if you're taping your eyes open for this one, you have to tape them open for the next one. The 9:30 a.m. London game this week. We have the New York Giants visiting the Green Bay Packers. I want to say it's at Tottenham 
Hotspur Stadium. It might be in Wimbledon. That's David Clayton's club right there. You a Tottenham guy? Big oh, yeah. Spurs boy. Big Tottenham guy. Oh, maybe maybe Harry and uh, – fuck, why can't I remember the other dude's name? Sonaldo will be there. Sonaldo. Sure. I thought you said Ronaldo. I was like, I do not want to be the guy to tell you that he's not on Tottenham, but okay. Oh, no. Sonaldo's better than Ronaldo. Oh, yeah. The Asian Ronaldo, baby. Ronaldo can't even make the the healthy, uh, what, 10, 11 players right now? Uh, That's a coaching decision, supposedly. Yeah, he sucks. That's the end of the story. Well, it depends. If it's for Portugal, then, yeah, they're resting him. But for for someone else, and now if it's for, like, EPL stuff, I don't care. doesn't matter. (laughs) <laughs> Packers are going to be eight point favorites as the home team. The man deemed mannequin man by Wally over here, not expected to travel to England with an MCL sprain as well as Kadarius Tony. Big surprise. Two wide receivers that they never use, even if they do play, aren't going to be available. So this offense really isn't looking different. Green Bay is coming off an unimpressive win against the Pats and their backup quarterbacks. So we'll see who starts for, for the Giants. Uh, Danny Dimes has logged in two limited practices this week. Tyrod Taylor, I don't. I think he's been DNP the last two days. So, looks like Danny Jones is trending in the right direction. Like I said, no Galladay, no Tony, which doesn't really matter. It's going to be the battle of the trenches. This is a big boy football game because you have a decent O line in Green Bay going up against Dexter Lawrence, who's just been on people's radar these last few weeks. Eight pressures last week. I think he added a sack, sack and a half. Dude has just been a problem for that front. Then on the other side, you have Rashawn Gary as well as Kenny Clark going up against that shitstorm they call an offensive line in New York. The only thing that I think the difference maker in this and why I think New York is going to cover the eight points, Green Bay's rush defense has looked kind of suspect over these last couple of weeks. That's all New England had last week where they knew that they were going to run the ball and Green Bay still could not stop them. The way that Saquon has been starting his season, he looks great. I expect him to have a good game. Green Bay is going to have another grinded out game, win by like that two to four point mark. And I have the Giants covering on here. I'm not like you. I'm not. I know you're not selling your stock, but a lot of people out there saw that game against New England last week against a third-string quarterback, and they just seemed to forget who was coaching on the other sideline, where they decide that this Packers team isn't that good anymore. I'm not going to be that guy. I think this is the game we're going to actually look back on going into the playoffs and saying this is where the Packers passing game got on track. This is the perfect team to do it. If they can get good pass pro from Elton Jenkins and from David Bakhtiari against uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, there's not really a lot of other threats out there. So I think they're going to do enough. The offense line finally starting to get a little healthy. I know the, the analytics aren't there yet. But I think it's going to get there, and this is how it happens. Packers minus eight, you take that, and I think the Packers win 31-17. to 17. So, David, you're going to be our rubber band here going one way or another. Where are you at? Are you going with the G-men? Where are you going with the Packers? I'm not selling Packers stock, but I'm sure I'm not going to bet on them to to cover an, an eight-point spread. I, I'm, I'm That's taking, fair. I'm taking the Giants as eight-point underdogs taking Green Bay money line, and that's only if, – if Daniel Jones doesn't play, you can hammer Green Bay as an eight-point favorite. You can hammer it. But if Daniel Jones plays, I'm, I'm, I think I'm okay with the Giants covering uh, their spread there. But I, I – that's all I got. I, this is I, – You're not a Davis Webb guy? No, not, 
not against the Packers. Jake Fromm, they just brought him in this past week. Great point, Steven. That's terrifying. No, I'm out. Danny Dimes, who I actually hate as quarterback, is the best one in that locker room. He needs to play. Otherwise, you can take Green Bay as the favorites and the money line. All right. Well, we come back stateside for our first 1 o'clock game. Seattle, got to love them. But they are going to the Big Easy in New Orleans, minus 5.5. Total's 46.5. This is where everyone at home expects me to hammer Seattle plus five and a half. And that's why I'm fading it because it feels like the one thing that's really gone my way this year is Geno Smith playing to the level that he has It is naturally going to come down. He's not the quarterback we've seen for four weeks. He's a good place stop. So I'm going New Orleans minus five and a half. I think it is a tricky game. It's a very emotional loss that the Saints just had. They're coming back from London. Lots of travel. They have their own quarterback controversy. Who's going to play that game, whether it be Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston. But then on the flip side, Seattle, huge emotional win. No one expected them to do anything. Now we're starting to actually get a little bit of expectations for them. That's not where I want to be. I don't care if it's Red Rifle or Joe's Crab Shack starting at quarterback. The Saints get right for a week. They're going to give us one more run at wondering whether or not they can actually do something in the NFL this year. So I have the Saints 31-20 minus five and a half. Either one of you, you can jump in here. I I, I don't know who to throw it to. Give it to him, David. You both hate Geno, so I didn't know where to go. I don't hate him as much as him, so. I hate Geno, and I'm taking Seattle plus five and a half and money line. New Orleans are a bunch of frauds. I'm not in on on the Saints at all this year. I don't care if Dalton's playing. I don't care if Jameis is playing. It they're all frauds. They're frauds, and I won't never forgive the the Saints for or Kamara for benching him or for him being out last week. And I wasn't even awake to set my fantasy football lineup. You gotta set me. that alone. <laughs> Anyways, Seattle plus five and a half money line. If Geno comes back to reality and you know, New Orleans does win and follow Wally's advice. Drew Locke should be the starter because Geno Yeah, let's not overreact or anything. It's fraudulent. Drew Locke should be the starter and Wally's been around all along and I'm going to die on that hill. That's fine. Peyton, or what, Tom Brady just lost. You should pull him for Blaine Gabbard or or whoever Tom Brady has 25 years of winning. Geno Smith has four games. And he looks great in all four. My dog's downstairs pissed off. You can hear her. Like, you talking shit on Geno Smith right now? Are you serious? It doesn't matter who starts for New Orleans, to both of your points, because Seattle has, has been allowing the second most yards and the fourth most passing yards to the first four games this season, something that I feel like has been the trend for them to start the year the past two or three. Now, the Seahawks have been extremely resilient with Geno, and he's been putting up some solid numbers. Seattle's going back-to-back to Detroit, and now all the way to New Orleans. New Orleans is coming from back out of the country. They're going to be sleepy. They're still working on that time that time difference. But also, Pete Carroll, 13-1, and one, and not to double-check that after last week because I saw the stat last week and I couldn't remember the exact numbers. 13-1 and one, when playing in games at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, so the 1 o'clock Eastern Time, normal for us. How could you not choose that? But give me the Hawks. That's absurd. Plus five and a half. And then give me the over 45 and a half as well. I think this could not be as as high scoring as it was last week, but I still think that there can be points on the board. That is a great find because I'm pretty sure that 
you pretty much go to any other West Coast team, they can't play on the East Coast. Right. It's like you bet against it. We'll get to a game later in here where I think it was Carolina is going to be hosting San Francisco in a short week. And everybody on earth is betting San Francisco, which for good reason, Carolina looks like shit. But yep. it's that West Coast to East Coast that scares the hell out of me about that. So on a short week, too, wow. like you said. 13 to 1. Also, just got to point out, we're really missing the opportunity of a, a team coming back from London playing in New York against a Jets so we can hear the jet lag talk for an entire week. Just perfectly sets up losing to the Jets with jet lag. I just feel like we're missing a big opportunity. Well, hopefully that's not but the I case digress. for Green Bay next week. Fair enough. The next one that we have on the slate, the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling up to Buffalo where the Bills are 14-point favorites. Kenny Pickett to make his first NFL start. I, I just feel so bad for that kid. Holy shit. Uh, it's like watching these poor defenseless fucks go to Dahmer's house when they invite him over. Uh, and he gets to play against the top defense. Fun fact here. Yeah, I'll save it for the end of this. Maybe this is the Josh Allen game that David's been calling here the past couple of weeks. I'm just saying it. There's something in my loins that's making me saying it. But I'm really happy that Mitch Trubisky gets to go back to his former team as the backup quarterback. He was one game away. Come on, just, just start Kenny in the sixth game, but whatever. I don't care. Two touchdown spreads just scare that living hell out of me. I don't care who it is. Even though 20 of the last 21 Buffalo Bills wins have been by the double double digits, not necessarily covering the full 14 here. I could see Pitt with some new energy with Kenny Pickett taking over, which means George Pickens is going to start getting the ball, and I don't think they're going to be sniffing a victory here at all. But maybe they can ride it out and only lose by 10. Maybe get some garbage time points in there. Last time the Steelers were a 14-point underdog, 1969. Doesn't happen too often. There's my fun fact for the day. Wow. It's before the steel curtain, too. Dude, that was before we were born. <laughs> you, you, you think? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to look like an idiot so that David can round us out and make us look really smart again. This it. is why I'm about to prove to you why you don't bet with me unless it hits, which means I'm going to run around in circles for like a week. Pittsburgh plus 14. And then you're going to throw a half a unit because the value is too good not to. You're throwing a half a unit out there on the money line. The Steelers to win this game would pay plus 630. If you bet $10 on this game in the Steelers win, that means you get your own 10 back and you get 63 other dollars coming to you. Look, this is ridiculous. I get it. But I think this is a 60-minute game. I think this goes all the way. Guys, this is the evil empire. This is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steven, you just read off that 1969 was the last time they have been underdogs by 14 points. But you know what? I love everything about this Bills team. I love Josh Allen. He didn't play great last week. You know he's due for a comeback. This defense, we glow about them every week. Sean McDermott, good coach, but you know he's not Mike Tomlin. And my biggest thing, I, I think there's two things that could have happened last week. One of them more unlikely off of Tomlin's past history. Do you think that Tomlin actually believed what he said when he needed a spark, that maybe he bought into the Kenny Pickett chance? Or do you think that maybe he actually saw something and said, you know, 
We need to play this kid. He can potentially keep our season relevant. I'm believing in the ladder. I'm choosing the bet on the ladder. And for that reason, I'm picking the Pittsburgh Steelers to win 29 to 28 on a Kenny Pickett two-point conversion with less than a minute left. You know, I was the biggest anti-start picket before the bye week guy in the world. If Tomlin thinks it's good, then I'm giving him my week. I'm giving him a chance to prove it. And if he does, I'll backtrack. If the Bills win by three scores, then I'm right back on the picket. It should never have been playing in this game train. So I know I threw a lot at you guys. Pittsburgh plus 14, sprinkle the money line. David, tell me I'm an idiot politely. I don't know if I can do it politely. Can I ask you something? I'd love to. Just us girls. Fire Where do you off. rank the Jets defense in in top oh, it's 32 bad. teams? Oh, it's not good. Uh, uh, give me 25. So not very good, right? So the Bills, we're, we're pretty sold on them being a top five defense right now, if not yeah. number Top one. three. They're top yeah, three top, without a doubt. Top three. Yeah. So Kenny Pickett throws three interceptions against a bottom 10 defense. Did you see those picks, though? Three interceptions against a bottom 10 defense with with minimal pressure compared to what the Bills are about to do to him. And you're gonna you're gonna think that he's gonna win this game for Pittsburgh. They're the Fuck evil yeah. empire. It's the Death Star, David. The Howdy, Death Star I, doesn't you suck. Sell me, you could sell me on plus 14 with the Pittsburgh defense. You can. You can sell me on that. But you cannot sell me on taking Kenny Pickett winning against the best team in the NFL arguably and is in his first start it After only takes three interceptions on it what, takes big one josh allen in buffalo game. last year big ben the ghost of big, big ben. ben is still twice as today today big ben 50 pounds heavier is still better than kenny pickett is right now <laughs> no way you start the same steeler team against the same like it's madden where it's the, the same guys on both I'll sides. I'll take Big Ben over Kenny I'll Pickett I'll take right Kenny now. Pickett's team right now. All right. Anyways, Buffalo also because Wally's insane. And <laughs> the, the spread is difficult because I think the Steelers' defense is great. But if Pickett plays decently, they'll cover. But if he doesn't, the Bills win by three touchdowns. And, and that's what I'm confident in. Bills' money line, hammer it. Now, I've got a question for you. All right. I need a number value. I don't care if it's 1%. What percentage of this is just willing Kenny Pickett to suck because you can't afford to have 15 more years of a high-end quality quarterback for Pittsburgh? I don't care if it's 1%. What is the number for you? Number off the top of my head is less than 1%. In reality, wow. probably 10%. Okay. All right. All right. Hey. I already owned up. I'm probably an idiot on this if, one. If Kenny Pickett this was, a, was a top five pick in the draft, like a surefire, like like Trevor Lawrence was two years ago, I'd be pooping my pants and it would be 90%. But I Kenny Pickett's not that guy. So hey, I'm Big not Ben about was it. drafted what 14, 15? Right, but he Big fell. Ben didn't throw three interceptions on 10 passes in his first start. Hey, he or threw first... 13 passes. He completed 10, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just bring, saying. I'm bring just us to the next one, Walter. I will. We're going to your division yes. now. The Chicago Bears are going to Minnesota to face the Vikings, who are seven and a half point favorites with the total set at 44. 
this is a lot easier. It's a letdown spot for the Vikings. I think this is closer than it should be for most of the day before pulling away in the second half. Ugly game, but the Vikings are going to cover, so I have Minnesota minus 7.5. I have final score being 27-14. to 14. Steven, we'll go to you. We haven't heard your beautiful voice here in a little bit. Are you riding with your division rival? I guess they're both division rivals. Which division rival, I should say, are you riding with? Neither. I think that they're going to tie. This is my reasons why. Uh, I actually have Minnesota. I have Minnesota covering the seven and a half. Uh, The Bears, they have a top four passing defense in terms of yardage. But they have the now coming into the new week, which last week goes to Houston Texans. They now have the worst rushing defense in the league through four games minnesota barely got away with the win over uh over across the pond here but i expect them to have a big game on the ground doesn't matter if it's dalvin cook or alexander madsen that's playing they're going to have a big day on the ground so darius smith daniel hunter are looking to feast on that chicago bears o-line which looks laughable if you go look at their depth chart right now their second stringers are on ir Right. It's it's they don't have any second stringers. They're all fucking injured. They're essentially like third and fourth stringers starting. It's going to be bad. Oh, yeah. I forgot. They have already given up 16 sacks to the first four games or averaging four games. That's all. If you do quick math. Yep. Humble brag. I just did that. I don't think fields will have enough time just to get rid of the ball. If it's a handoff or a pass. Give me Minnesota minus seven and a half. Fuck those bears. But also I fuck fuck the Vikings. I got Minnesota seven and a half point favorites and money line field sucks. Bears defense sucks. Minnesota completely outmatches them. And Jefferson's going to have a field day on that defense after they get the run game going. Field's uh, day. Field day. You're so lucky. I was muted Wally. Field day. <laughs> oh. Dustin field sucks. Never forget. Hey, anyway. notice that stat. He just said 16th. They're tied for second. Most sacks allowed. Yes. That's partly on Justin Fields, but that is also on the entire offense. Who are they losing to? Burrow and the, the Bengals? Uh, Carson Wentz and the Washington Commies. They're tied That's with the Rams. Carson Wentz over Fields at this point. Send Fields to high. Send him to another high. team. He's trash with the Bears. I take Carson Wentz on the Bears. At least he's seen more pressure over his career. This is Wait, a pro Carson Wentz on the Bears would be must watch. Right it would be must watch. If it, Carson Wentz was a Bear, I would sit down for all three hours every Sunday to watch that. I... No, you that's wouldn't. Iowa football at the NFL level. I mean, anything's better than watching Derek Carr for three hours every Sunday. Oh, shut the up. next David, game that no, we no. had, David, what, well, you had you had one last thing. Sorry to cut you off. I didn't have one. anything. I just I, I good. Need to Dave, that's great. That the that's Bears gonna suck hard. God, fuck, Steven. All right, please, Garrett. Go, I'm Derek rattled. Carr. This is a pro Derek Carr podcast. Thank you, David. I'm rattled right now. Well, uh, hey, we it is a pro Derek Carr podcast, but before that, it's a pro piss Wally off podcast. Damn it. Fine. All right. Got you spitting chiclets up there like that hat. Yeah. He's got him so riled up. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's awesome. I'll move us on to the next game, Molly. Don't you worry about it. Please do. Houston Texans are traveling to Duval, where they face the Jaguars. Seven point favors. Total is set at 43 and a half. Uh, I'm going to go with Houston plus seven. Jags are looking to bounce back after a rough three quarters in Philly. First quarter was great. The last three were just miserable. They head back to home, play the only winless team in the NFL. Yes, it's a division rival, but Houston has looked at least competitive the last few games. Their their ranks offensively, defensively are at least towards the middle of the pack, which is all you can really hope for. But like I said before, they've only moved up one spot in the 
total rushing defense on yardage to only the 31st, so only the second worst. James Robinson, Travis Entian are going to have big games. Don't want to spoil my prop lock and drop it. Might be from this game. I like the Jags to get right back in the win column, get first place in the South, but Houston to give them a run for their money to cover the seven. I'm taking Jacksonville minus seven. The Texans are either going to find a way to win this game or they're going to get exposed. And I'm taking the exposure route. I think a lot of people, myself included, going until I started researching this game, I forgot that the Texans beat the Jaguars twice last year. But this is an entirely different beast with Doug Peterson. I mean, they are well coached now. Trevor Lawrence isn't going to turn the ball over. It's going to be a point of emphasis this week to really protect the ball. And I think if they just take care of it, they're going to win. So I'm actually going to take in an ironic twist. Duval's finest to win 37 to 21, the same score they lost the opener in last year at Houston. Go Jags. I think I agree completely, which scares me because, you know, you always lose these, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, that hurt. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've taken Jacksonville seven point favorites and on the money line as well. Jacksonville has just proven to be a formidable team this year. I mean, they really have, they have some young mistakes they're making throughout the year, but I mean, to your point, I think Trevor Lawrence looks, looks so much more improved than last year. He looks like he's actually having the rookie season we expected, even though he's, as I will repeat every week, he's a, a sophomore, but I consider this his inaugural rookie season now that he is a real head coach. But I, I believe in Jacksonville, especially against a bad team like Houston. I'm seven-point favorites and the money line. One of my favorite things in hockey is that if you're a rookie and you have under X amount of games, you're technically a rookie in your second year too. Like one of the Penguins' goals a few years ago, he had two Stanley Cups in his rookie year. That's what the NFL has to do with Trevor Lawrence. This is absolutely the Urban Meyer effect. He is a rookie. He should be up for rookie of the year at the end of the year, even though he played last year. But we'll go into next game here where we have another one of those quarterbacks from last year's class. Miami minus three is going to New York to face Zach Wilson in the Jets. The total is 45 and a half. David, we're actually going to throw it right back to you. We're going to get a quick turnaround for you. Who do you like here? Miami, they're in a weird spot. Teddy Bridgewater starting now. Do you like them still? Or are you going to ride with a little bit of the momentum the Jets have? This spread is gross to me because Tua's out. I'm just taking Miami money line. I think they're good enough to beat the Jets. I'm not betting the spread because it, it just, like I said, it grosses me out. The Jets have won games they shouldn't have, which means I don't have faith that Miami's going to cover the spread. I just it, – it, it's going to be a competitive game that shouldn't be uh, realistically, and I'm just going to bet on the talent here and say Miami wins the game. I hate that this – the hook has been moving back and forth. Three, three and a half, three, three and a half. It's already moved two or three times since we've just been editing on, on our rundown here, and now it's going to kind of fuck me up. I have, and I'm just going to kind of stick with my guns on this regardless now. I'm going to take the Jets plus three. Love them if it's that plus three and a half, but give me the Miami Miami money line as well. Teddy Bridgewater is set to make the start, which I feel like there will be an obvious drop-off from this offense. The Jets D is slightly better than that middle-of-the-pack defense, but and I kind of expect Solid just, just to be bringing that pressure to Teddy Bridgewater all game. 
But this is why they're not going to win, and I kind of wish the spread was a little bit more so I could feel comfortable about taking the points. But the Jets have lost 12 straight divisional matchups. Teddy Bridgewater is 41-10-1 against the spread in his career, including 24-6 and against it, his last 30 road games. I'm just going to follow the trends here, kind of. And I'm going to really wait for this to bump back up to the three and a half and take the Jets plus three and a half. But give me Miami money line. That's all I got. I, I, you can't trust Treddy Bridgewater right now. I thought he looked he looked competent in one and a half, two drives last week, kind of coming in out of nowhere. But I could be wrong. Maybe Mike McDaniels is that guy and you'll get him right. Mike McDaniel is going to be that guy. And that's why I'm taking Miami minus three. We mentioned before about how emotionally different the Seattle and New Orleans game. This is even more. I mean, to his injury, it rattled not only Dolphins fans, but you could feel that stadium. was. It went from playoff atmosphere to kind of a mausoleum for about an hour on Thursday night. It's hard to over or get over something like that. But now that you got a week coming off this, I do think it's going to be a motivated Dolphins team, not only to win for their quarterback, but win for their head coach. I think you're going to see also a lot of points in this game. How many people, us included, going into this year, speaking on Teddy Bridgewater, thought that he was going to be a guy that could potentially step in as a starter, not because of injury at some point this season? Teddy is kind of that high, and he's like Andy Dalton. He's about as top of the, the list as you can get for a backup quarterback. You don't really have to change a lot of what you're doing. Teddy's got some athleticism too, so he's going to be able to move around in the pocket. I have them, because of Mike McDaniel and because Tua's – or not Tua, but Teddy is getting a little undersold. I think you get a lot of points, and I think that you're going to get the Dolphins winning 30-21. to 21. So I have the minus three and the over of 45.5. Tom Brady in divorce court in the Bucs are 10-point favorites still. The Atlanta Falcons are coming to town, coming off that hurricane too. David and I talked last week about maybe there could be a little emotion there as well. Total's 46 and a half. Steven, this time I'm going to take it to you first. Tom Brady has had a very tumultuous week, arguably the worst one of his career. Everybody is burying this guy not only – in like the actual playing field perspective, he's become almost a running joke because of this divorce and his personal life as well. Is that going to make him more motivated and this team more motivated to, to win and look very good? Or do you think that we can see almost like a hangover from all of this stuff that maybe Atlanta who's played well can actually go out and steal a game? Yeah, this is rough, Tom. Man, man, oh, man, there has been some funny, funny tweets coming out. Someone said, imagine imagine uh, neglecting your wife just to come play the Panthers twice a year. It's just been really bad, but it's a battle of the first place in the NFC South. I cannot, I know I said that last week, or I said that here on Monday, and Atlanta is the only team that's a perfect 4-0 this year against the spread. I'm going to say that every single week until they probably lose it this week. But Tom Brady possibly facing a three-game losing streak to start off his divorce settlements, I mean, season, uh, teams favored by seven or more points have been three and six against the spread this year. So maybe I should have brought that up here a little bit earlier because that seems to be the trend I've been following. Tampa Bay is expected to be healthy, 
even though they're losing Cole Beasley due to retirement, man, that's a tough loss there. But And I think that they can win anywhere from six to eight points. Yes, Kyle Pitts is not going to be in for Atlanta. Not like, not that they're using him. That's why I moved up from eight and a half to ten points, I believe. Give me Atlanta plus ten to move them to five and zero oh against the spread here this year. But Tampa Bay is going to win the game. I just don't like that money line or the or the money towards it. Who picking Atlanta is bold. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I'm taking Atlanta plus ten as well. Tampa Bay money line. Tampa Bay's defense will completely shut down Atlanta, but I still think Tampa Bay's offense doesn't look crisp enough to pull away by 10 plus. I, I think it's going to be, I think Atlanta is going to cover that spread. Man, I wanted to pick with you guys and shame on me. Cause I said nice things about Atlanta for like the first time in this podcast history this last week, I won't have to on Tuesday. And it's because this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team loves Tom Brady I think they're going to get a really motivated team, not only for him, but because of that city and what happened last week. I think that the Buccaneers, I think they're going to house Atlanta. You're going to kind of see a little bit more of what we expected out of the Falcons. 34 to 14 is my final score. So I'm just taking Tom Brady and the Buccaneers minus 10. The next game here, Detroit is going to Foxborough. Patriots are three and a half point favorites. Total is 45 and a half. Right before we started recording, Brian Hoyer was placed on injured reserve with a concussion. That means the fighting Bailey Zappes are three-and-a-half-point favorites. This game is going to tell us a lot about the state of the Bill Belichick regime at this stage in New England. I mean, this is the kind of game we're used to watching Belichick be able to scheme things up. Perfect game plan to sneak out a win, especially against a Detroit team that has its own flaws. Whether it be running more and more screens, running the ball, this offense is going to carve up the worst defense in football. And I think they're going to slow up golf in this run game enough to find a way to win. So I'm betting on the fighting Bailey Zappes, at least money line. I don't think they're covered, but I'm taking New England money line. I have the score being 24 to 21. Yep. Detroit's going to win the game. I'm sorry. Detroit's going to win the game. They're an offensive juggernaut. I'm here. I ride with the Lions. I just – I don't think New England's going to win. I, I'm I'm here for Detroit. Detroit plus three and a half and money line. David saying one pride. How about you, Steven? Oh, I'm on that bandwagon. I'm changing it right now because I was back and forth, but I didn't realize David was on there. I don't want him to be lonely. Come on. Give me Detroit plus three and a half. Give me their money line. From those who are still left from this Detroit team under Matt Patricia, you have got to be pumped to go up and, and play against that guy. Especially when you're that defensive guy and he's running the offense. You have got to be thrilled to be able to do that. You have your third-string quarterback in there. Yeah, I thought Zappi looked good, but now they're actually going to have tape that they can prepare for, quote-unquote, as much as they can. It's just hard for me to bet against the Lions when the spread's more than two and a half when they're the underdog. Underdog stats for the year, 27-36-1 straight up. So I think that I want to say that's like plus five or six units, something like that. And then against the spread, they're 38-25-1. So the underdogs are cashing in nicely to start off the season. Yes, they'll be without DeAndre Swift. Amaron St. Brown has just logged in two DNPs this week, so they're most likely going to be without him. I like Jamal Williams and what they can do in that backfield. Shout out to my boy Josh Reynolds who helped me on that fantasy football victory uh, here this past weekend. Love you, Kylie. You had a Cooper Cup, and Josh Reynolds put up more points than him, and I fucking won by half a point. Not really a good trend for the Lions and like what they're doing practice wise, but 
I'm not going to bet against Dan Campbell. Fuck, if he finds that out, he might kill me. So I'm not doing that. The next game on the list, oh, man, this one I'll, I'll probably have on all three of my TVs. Uh, the Tennessee Titans going to the Washington Commies where Titans are two-and-a-half-point favorites. The total was set at 42-and-a-half. Shout-out to my man, Brian Robinson Jr. He was activated and medically cleared to practice and to make his NFL debut after just being shot last month in a carjacking there in Washington. Call himself the king of adversity. I like that, Wally. I'm going to stick it here with Maine just so I can let you guys two ramble on. Washington has given up the most sacks in the league, 17, going up against a team averaging two and a half sacks heading into the matchup in the Detroit Lions. Carson Wentz is playing horrible. Until proven otherwise, I'm not, I cannot trust him, and I cannot trust this Washington team. Yes, Washington has a solid rush defense, but the passing game is where they're struggling. Is Tannehill about to pop off? I doubt it, but maybe it's time to get Robert Woods some action here. They're going to be without Traylon Burks, who has turf toe, little bitch. I just can't see Washington winning this. I like to see Tennessee and Mike Babel have his boys ready to take a sizable cushion within that division, or at least a one-game cushion. Give me Tennessee with the minus two and a half. Commies are bad. Have I said how much I hate these spreads this week? It's uh, a I miserable think, oh, I week. I don't think I'm recording, but yeah, I think we can all agree with this. Yeah, this is this is. I'm staying away from this spread again because both these teams are terrible. I hate them both. This is up there with the worst quality game of the week in Colts Denver. You know, it's ugly football. I don't want to watch this game. I want nothing to do with this game. The commies are terrible. Tennessee's terrible. I, I'm taking Tennessee money line because I think they're the better team and Washington's just that bad. But I just hate yeah. both of these teams. So I'm passing it to Wally. Wally, give me give me what you think. Washington's so bad, apparently they're bringing in Cam Newton for workouts. Continue. That's terrifying. Ugh, that's not good. Yeah. I, I wanted to pick the king of adversity, as he called himself, and again, who can blame the guy. But you mentioned that this is one of the worst games of the week. I don't think there's a question it's the worst. At least the Colts and Broncos, there's storylines to be interested in. This is just bad football. I'm taking Tennessee minus two and a half because in good conscience, I can't bet on Carson Wentz right now. But the Tennessee Titans have seven second half points. I can't emphasize that enough. These two teams are a disaster. I'm putting my faith in Mike Vrabel that they are going to make it a point to actually play a 60-minute game. And that's why I'm taking the Titans minus two and a half at 24 to 13. But as long as you guys are good, I'm, I, let's move on let's from this get it, baby. That, That's a tough one. Yeah. And let's go to your boys here, David. The Chargers, they're trying to one-up one of the best games of the year last year. Going to Cleveland, they're two and a half point road favorites. Total set at 47 and a half. David, I'll let you go first, so that way that Steve and I can just give our picks at the end, since you're probably going to have a lot to say about this. What do you have? You riding with your brownies? Oh, boy. I don't know about this one. I don't know who's going to win. All I know is I, I don't think Cleveland has the firepower on defense to stop the Chargers' offense, ailing or not. I, I think the Chargers' injuries allow Cleveland to keep it close. There's going to be a lot of running in this game. Cleveland will stick to their roots. It's going to be Chubb heavy, Hunt heavy, and uh, we'll pepper in some some brisket in there. But I, I'm taking the over on this because I think both these teams score over three touchdowns throughout this game. I don't think there's going to be a lot of defense. I think the Chargers defense, if there was going to be defense, is too hurt to, to 
actually have one. So I'm taking the over on 47 and a half. I think Cleveland keeps it close, maybe wins this game. I'm not confident, but maybe. So I'm taking Cleveland plus two and a half, especially at home. I, I just, if this was a chart, if this was in LA. Where uh, you'd still be at home? Kind of. It depends. <laughs> I don't know. But if this was in LA, it'd be a little different story. I think I might roll with, with the Chargers, but I just, at home, Cleveland's got the competitive advantage. I'm taking Cleveland as two and a half point underdogs and the over on 47 and a half. What do you think, Wally? I'm right there with you, or at least I'm close. I have the over of 47 and a half, but I'm going to go the extra mile and I'm taking the, the Browns money line. I mentioned last year's game. I think it's going to be about as fun. It's going to be about as entertaining. Chargers just remember they had Austin Eckler on their football team, but the Browns have never forgot they have Nicholas Chubb on their team. And I think that's going to be the difference. There's, you said it, a ton of running in this game, but big chunk runs for both teams. And that's why I like the over. It feels weird to pick an over of 47 and a half when you talk about the running backs. But I just think that you're going to see the 7, 8, 10, 12 kind of yard carries on every possession for these teams. But I'm taking the Browns 34 to 31. It's going to be tight. I just think that this is going to be the game that's going to give the land a little bit more hope the rest of the year. I think this is it. We don't need it. I don't want. I don't want hope anymore. I oh come on! You're sounding like, sound like me. Now. I love it. Yeah, but the difference is, is I and at least you have a winning record. I get a giant step up in quarterback play. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have a winning record and be like, oh, I don't. No, want no, no, no. We're going two and five over the next seven weeks. We're not gonna have a winning record, but you know, continue. Sorry, Stephen. I just you know. You know no what? Hope. You're not. You're not stopping me from saying too much. I think you guys kind of hit the nail on the head on this. It's going to be a running game matchup. You know that your boy John Johnson is going to blow at least one coverage in this game, and Keaton Allen is going to probably get a long one to Mike uh, to Mike Williams. So I don't really have too many takeaways from this game. I think the over is going to hit. Obviously, what was happening last year is kind of setting in the back of my mind where both of these teams damn near hit the over just themselves not let alone just double it, whatever it was in that game. So, yeah, as long as they get Austin Eckler involved in the passing game and in the rushing game, I think that this Chargers team is going to look good. But I'm also going to take them minus two and a half. I just think that offensively they're going to be a little bit – they're going to be a little bit better outside of the rushing game. That's the quarterback I'm going to trust more. We'll see what Jadavion's status is. Miles Garrett's going to come back with uh, – hopefully he's not speeding over to the to the stadium here just to get on the field to get his third hundred mile per hour ticket but we'll see what those guys are looking like that's going to be a big deciding factor and i think the the spread's going to show it when that is final here probably saturday or sunday so right now give me the charges minus two and a half but i think we're all in the same wavelength for once with the over at minus 47 and a half next game we have on the slate here the niners of san francisco traveling to carolina where they're six and a half point favorites the total is set at 38 and a half no, this is not a San Fran Seattle game. This is Carolina. Well, it's the same thing, basically. <laughs> this defense is going to terrorize Baker. And I think that San Francisco can put up 17 points. So I think they're they're going to cover the six and a half. Why is that so important? Because Matt Rule is one in 26 when his opponent scores 17 or more points. How could you not look at that and just say, yep, give me San Francisco. Let's print some money off. Matt Rule's just so stupid. I think Carolina's defense is playing solid, but I like what they're getting going there in San Fran. Give me San Fran going to the East Coast, covering the six and a half against those thirds. Oh, I learned my lesson after Monday Night Football. Uh, San Francisco 
six and a half point favorites taking that and the money line and frankly until carolina and baker can turn it around uh, i'm betting against them the rest of the season so is the ship officially gone down not not totally but you know don't be mistaken i'm still a baker supporter and the wheels are starting to fall off but you know, the guy had so- shoulder surgery that changed his throwing mechanics. Here we go. Was traded for t- two weeks before camp, split reps the whole preseason, not to mention it's his fifth new offense in as many years. I'm going to make excuses for the guy until I can't because it all just adds up over time. You dug uh, your claws into that tweet you sent us. I, I love you it. You know what? I did. I did. <laughs> and and I'm here for it because, as I said, I am on that Baker train until the wheels fall off. However, he's not going undefeated. In fact, this Carolina team makes me think he's going completely defeated. But anyways, San Francisco is going to slap them around like you've never seen before. This is an easy win for them. It, it's one of those games that if – I told you the Panthers had less than 175 total yards in this game. I think we all believe it. Like, it's possible, more than possible. But, David, you talked about going down with the ship. You are, you guys have seen Titanic. I, you have to have. I imagine you have. You are that guy that for the first hour and a half, two hours in a movie, look how great this ship is. This is such a grand ship. And then when the guy turns his back that is guarding the lifeboats, you sneak on as a guy and sit next to him. You're like, oh, God, oh, God, don't catch me. I got to get off this sinking ship. That's what you're doing with these bets. I appreciate it, but you were definitely that guy that just abandoned ship and said, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Like It's no big deal. Nobody saw it. Look, buddy, my hubris says bet Baker, but my brain says, you know, please, for the love of God, don't throw your money away. Please, no. <laughs> you're right, though. I mean, I'm not saying anything else. We've drilled it. San Francisco money line. I'm taking the under 38 and a half. Niners win 20 to 13, and I think I might be giving too many points there. Philadelphia. Let's talk about some football teams. The birdbath bowl. The birdbath bowl here. One of many. The Eagles are minus five and a half. Cardinals are the home underdog. Total 48 and a half. I'll spitfire mine real quick, and I'll throw it over to you guys. Can someone please tell me what I'm missing, that this is only five and a half? I get it's a cross-country trip. I get that, I guess, five and a half in the NFL. It's a wide-ish spread. But this is a Cardinals team that doesn't show up until halftime. They are the inverse of the Titans. If they called up and switched, they'd have either a competent team or the worst team in the league. I'm not going to believe in this team until they can actually play and come out and be ready to play because the Eagles are. That is a team that plays 60 minutes. They're going to punch you in the mouth on that first drive. They're going to punch you in the mouth in the next eight drives. And then they're going to punch you in the mouth on that last drive too. I have the Eagles 34-21. I'm taking the bald birds. No kicker, no problem. I think they just activated their practice squad guy right before we got here. But still, that don't scare me because you won't need a kicker when you're in the end zone all day. Whoever wants it, you got it. Oh, I'll take it next. I'm same, same as you. Philly taking the spread at, at five and a half point favorites, also taking the money line. They're going to dominate in the trenches as always. And that's going to be the giant difference maker here. You can look and you can compare pretty, pretty evenly in offensive skill positions in terms of talent, but Philly is just going to dominate the trenches. Hard to bet against Philly until things change at some point, if they ever change They're they're I think 
fourth in in points for in ninth or eighth in points against. I mean, this team is playing offense and defense extremely well. Uh, I think they're going to go five and all. Go birds. Philly looking to start five and zero for the first time since 1953. I don't know if that's actually true, but it's all about the delivery. It's the first thing that popped up when I Googled that. So I don't know if any of the Donovan McNabb team ever did that. Uh, Arizona has been very underwhelming, but they love coming back into games when we least expect it. What's up, Wally? Uh, a middle of the pack unit just in Arizona all around. I have to start. I got to roll so, the punches. That hurt. I didn't even have any words. I just. It's not even in my rundown, which sucks. If you look at my notes, that's, your name is nowhere near to be found. I just Yeah, I just am taking strays, and I will the rest of the year every time the Cardinals do anything. This uh, is awesome. Yeah, most likely. But they're in a middle-of-the-pack unit in Arizona going up against a team that, to David's point, seemingly feels like they're top two and three in everything. I, I like the cards getting some BS scores to cover this five-and-a-half. I'm taking Arizona plus five-and-a-half. That fifth game of the season is always that difference maker, kind of like what Wally says, well, maybe this is the game that Green Bay gets it together. There's always that fourth or fifth week. Some teams just pop off and find it. I don't think Arizona's going to pop off. I don't think they're going to find it, but they're going to get something going to help me cover this bet. That's all that really matters. Also, a fun side bet here for you guys. I didn't want to include in the pop lock and drop it. Take Philadelphia spread first quarter. Arizona has been outscored 31-0 in the first quarter to start the season off. Now, and that's just through the first three games because last week it was just a 0-0 tie heading into the second quarter. So that kind of null and voids everything. 31-0 outscored the first three games, not including last week. Take the Eagles first quarter spread. Dallas headed out to L.A., where the Rams are five and a half point favorites, the total set at 43 and a half. And the Rams have given up 16 sacks so far this season. Matt Stafford's been a turnover machine. And Micah Parson has to be licking his chops at this offensive line and just how porous they've been, as well as D. Lawrence. They're going to be causing mayhem all day. Cooper Rush going up against his toughest matchup yet, his toughest defense he's probably ever faced in his young career. Side note, 4 0 against the spread still. Undefeated, just like the Falcons. Maybe, wait, maybe the Falcons should get Cooper Rush next year. The Rams just have not looked good. I I cannot throw any eggs into that basket right now. Give me Dallas plus four and a half. I don't want to touch any money line. If this was Dak, yes, the spread would be different, but I'd be way more comfortable taking the money line. I'm just going to take the points with Dallas right now. What about you, David? What are you leaning towards? I want to bet on Cooper Rush, but I don't. I'm going to. Oh God, I can't believe I'm doing, I can't believe I'm taking Rams money line, but I am. I think Rams bounce back and get a win. I don't know why I think that I'm, I'm not feeling confident. This might be my drop later on in the show, but Rams money line. I don't have any reason behind it other than I just think they're more talented and I think they bounce back for the win. No, I, I have no read on this game. So maybe that's a precursor to where we're going to go and prop lock and drop there, David, but I, I decided I'm going to take Dallas plus five and a half. At least this game will be fun. I'm taking the conservative offensive approach and Cooper Rush and hoping that Micah Parsons in the Cowboys defense can give the Rams more fits. We're, we didn't say it at the beginning of the show, but I think by the day it is becoming more and more evident that not only is Robert Woods, but Andrew Whitworth are so missed on this Rams team, they look like a different team entirely. And at some point, I know that it's fun to joke about Allen Robinson on online and all that. 
he didn't have a good year last year in Chicago. I know he was banged up, but even before that, at what point do we start wondering if he's just not the guy he used to be anymore at a young age? And if that's the case, it sucks, but they need a receiver bad, and they better start looking for OBJ. But I'm taking Dallas uh, plus five and a half. I do think the Rams win, but I'm not brave enough to bet it. So uh, that's all I got, too. Unless you have something else, Stephen, I'll throw us into the Sunday night game. He is shaking his head. Cincinnati, a great Sunday night game, by the way. Finally. Finally. It's a really fun one to watch, especially this part of the country. Everybody's going to be locked in. But the Bengals are three-and-a-half-point road underdogs to the Ravens. Total is 47-and-a-half. Steven, we'll throw it to you first on this one. Where are you going? You going with Lamar Jackson? You going with Joe Burrow and the Bengals? So I'm going to go with the Bengals at plus three and a half to cover. Love that they got that extra hook in there. I'm definitely feeling it here. And then I'm going to go with the over 48 and a half is 47 and a half as well. Excuse me. Really thought I nailed it down. This one must have snuck in on me when you changed it. Cincinnati's coming off of back-to-back wins. They're heading into a divisional win that's going to be able to separate them for at least a week within this division. And Lamar Jackson is balling. I know that we've been talking about it. Me and David are our conductor A and B on the on the uh, hate train for Lamar Jackson. But fuck, this dude is playing well. It just sucks because his defense is holding him back. They are giving up a ton of yards, and it, it looks extra bad because of the defenses we're used of Baltimore producing. This looks horrible. You got Marcus Peters, that jackass, yelling at the sideline. Dude has always been a problem no matter where he goes. He pisses me off so much. Baltimore is potentially facing a sixth straight home loss dating back to last year. And since what? Took, yes. Isn't that insane? That just seems like they'd never lose at home. Because well, everyone, everyone's so in love with the preseason record. They, they obviously forgot about this. So haven't lost since, or haven't won there since last year. And since Lamar has taken over just three and two coming off of a loss as well. Yes, he is playing great, but like I said, this defense is holding him back, and I don't miraculously see him playing as a top three defense this week against Joe Burrow and those boys who seem like they're starting to get it together. Did they have any impressive wins? No. Wins nonetheless. Let's see a couple free throws until we start splashing it like Curry. That's what I think is going to happen here. Give me the Bengals plus three and a half and nail me that over 47 and a half. Cool, buddy. Oh, this is the best game of the week, baby. This is – this is – I maybe I'm overhyping the AFC North here, but I think this is this is easily the most interesting game in the division. Both teams have had struggles for Cincinnati. It's been getting the offense going for Baltimore. It's been the defense as a whole at Baltimore is probably the difference maker. I I assume most will probably take Baltimore to bounce back and win, but Burrow's riding a two game win streak in Baltimore. Burrow's also riding a two-game win streak this season. I'm taking Cincinnati plus three and a half and the money line. I'm betting on Burrow, basically. I, I just think he's an elite quarterback. I think the Bengals are probably the better team top to bottom. And I just think that this is an easy this is an easy bet to win some money at, at, as a Bengals underdog bet. I completely agree. And I actually went pulled an audible because when I first did this, I think it's still on our rundown as Baltimore minus three. I haven't had a chance to change it there yet. David, you took the words out of my mouth. I'm betting on Joe Burrow, and I think a large part of that is what happened last year. The first game in Baltimore, yeah, it was close for about two and a half quarters, but for the last five and a half quarters of the season, Joe Burrow was 
NFL or Madden on easy mode against the Ravens. I'm talking like six, seven hundreds yards in those six quarters. I'm going to take them. And here's a fun fact for you, too. Joe Burrow has never played the 32nd ranked passing defense. And when I say ranked, I'm using yardage because I know there's a million metrics now. But he has never faced the number 32 passing defense, and he's doing it this week. I have the Bengals 27 to 21. I'm taking them plus three and a half. I'm also taking their money line. And like you, David, I think that it's a great way to make some money. So let me ask you something, because this is where I was going back and forth before we started. How do you feel about the Bengals winning this game in Baltimore if I told you they had the worst rushing offense in the NFL? It's painful bad. I mean, like Joe Mixon is basically I don't think getting the ball holes. and getting hit. I don't think he can see holes, though, because I feel like I, – I, so I saw this tweet the other day, and then I've, I've watched almost every Bengals quarter so far. So I, I saw this tweet the other day that said, it, it, you know, it was it was a meme, but he said, you know, why do I feel like every time Joe Mixon gets the ball, he runs into his offensive lineman, and at the end of the game, he has 25 carries for 120 yards. And you sit there and you're like, I actually don't remember Joe Mixon ever doing anything but that, but then he ends up with over 100 yards, and you're just like, what yeah. happened? But last year, they had Maulers. It was more of a run-blocking offensive line. They overcorrected this offseason yeah. – and last week, Joe Burrow, he was quoted saying, this is the best pass protection I've gotten in the NFL so far. And that might be true, but in the run blocking game, this is not the O-line for it. And Joe Mixon might have vision problems. That might be a thing, but it's clear he runs hard. And that's yeah. why he gets those numbers too. At some point, the offensive line is going to have to be able to open up some holes for him. Even if he can't see them, you've schemed him into the hole. Look, I'm, I don't know. I'm with you. I just, you bet. I bet on Joe Burrow because I don't Patrick Mahomes doesn't need a good running back to to run a great offense, but you need some kind of running offense. You to need get balance passing going, yeah. right? So so I just that's the only thing that worries me. And and after I looked it up and saw how just how atrocious their running efficiency stats were, I was starting to think that maybe that's the problem, which again goes back to a scheme thing because you can scheme runs you can scheme runs you don't need an elite running back to scheme good runs and so i'm back on the zach taylor sucks train i was and just gonna say and we're oh, back no. to anti-zach taylor podcast yep. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right though look at kyle shanahan and mike shanahan even before him they, they did this with undrafted guys i mean they just have what jeff wilson i want to say is a six round i mean what was player. elijah moore and if He's he went down two, they don't right? need him Everything is day three with them if they draft a running back at all. And it goes into this podcast stance on running backs aren't that important. You should not be drafting them day one. Day two, you're pushing it. But you should not be drafting them day one. Last game that we have here on the slate, the Monday night game, which I think is also a great matchup. One of the matchups I definitely had circled on my calendar. The Vegas Raiders traveling to Arrowhead Stadium where Kansas City is a seven and a half point favorite. The total is set at 51 and a half. You heard my stat up there a little bit earlier about the spreads over seven and a half. I like the Raiders to cover this and give Wally some false hope. As I do every single year, I always pick the Raiders to cover and I'm shooting 50%. I think we know what Kansas city's O can and will do to that Las Vegas defense, but I'm looking at what Devonte and company can do to that chief's defense. Not that they're astronomically great, 
probably the worst one in that division and eh, no, second worst one in that division. Sorry, bud. But Hunter, Hunter Renfro, hopefully ready to come back after his two week concussion. Shout out to Sidney Crosby. He's pulling the Sidney Crosby right now. This can be a shootout as long as Derek Carr can get his head out of his ass and fucking sling that ball. I like the Raiders to cover the seven and a half and give me the over at 51 and a half as well. David, you go first so I can end with self-pity. Look, I'm not confident in, in the seven and a half for, for Kansas City to cover. I'm confident in Kansas City winning the game. So I'm taking Kansas City money line. If this was six and a half, I might take the Chiefs covering that. I might take a seven-point victory. But more than seven, I just don't I don't think it's there. All I know is Kansas City is going to win. If they don't, then Wally has to officially admit he's a huge clown on live air. Um, oh, I'm the one that's been basically for, saying for, his for, team for sucks. For, uh, for being depressing as shit about the Raiders. Oh, if they win. Through, through week four. Yeah, if the Raiders win, then you that's have to be clown on live TV. I'm, yeah, I'm, that's that's what I meant. If, okay, if, no, no, I got worried that you were like, oh, the they're Chiefs one and four. Wally's I don't an know idiot. if I said that. No, I don't know if I said it wrong. If the Chiefs don't I, win. I might have misheard. You're good. Yeah, if the Chiefs don't win, you have to admit you're a clown for being out on the Raiders, you know through two, two and a half quarters of their win last week. Well, last year it was nine and a half and I bet chiefs nine and a half. I went to rivers casino down in Pittsburgh and I put a real thousand dollars on that game. And it was the best money I've ever burned in my life because Henry Ruggs, God, that hurts to say Henry Ruggs unlocked that offense. I am going to go Vegas plus seven and a half. In the over 51 and a half, I am setting myself up to get hurt because this is when the Chiefs will win by 40 again. Yep. And uh, I have the final score being 35-31. I mean, the Raiders need Chandler Jones to show up. He has not got a sack yet. He's been invisible for most of the, the game so far. Darren Waller has to be better. He has a million drops. He looks disinterested. But that doesn't excuse Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels, who both need to be better too. This is a answer the bell week. You have to answer the bell. Everybody is talking, or at least been building up the Raiders all year, and they need to at least see something. Ah, man, I think they're better in this one, but they're not going to win. You guys have already said it. The Chiefs are too good in – they own the Raiders. They own Derek Carr. And last year's win in, in Arrowhead was kind of an anomaly because beyond that, the Raiders have been getting dog-walked with Derek Carr, a quarterback there. It's on national television. So I'm willing this game to be close because <laughs> I am not ready to be embarrassed on national television. And I'm oh. really afraid that's where that is, that this is trending. Well, that's going to end our week five picks here. Before we have you guys head out, you already know the fan favorite, at least one fan, well, two, if you're including me, the prop lock and drop it. That's right. Every week we give you a prop that we think is going to hit. We give you an absolute lock of a game. Then we give you a drop the game and we want to stay away from. I'll toss it over to David here first. David, what is your prop lock and drop it for this week five? Oh, NFL player prop bet, Matt Ryan under 233 and a half yards. I just saw a stat that Denver hasn't allowed a quarterback to throw for 180 yards yet. 
and Jesus. I'm in on that. I am in on Matt Ryan. I am too. I'm I'm putting it in right now, baby. Yeah, I am in on that. Your only risk, not your only risk, is if what the Colts are getting killed and they allow dump downs the whole way. That's the only way. The only risk is if they're getting absolutely blown out. They're gonna have to pass the like for two quarters, right? So that's the only risk. But like four games haven't allowed 180 yards to a QB yet, and they're not playing. They're not playing the bottom four QBs in the league. They're playing average. Thank you for acknowledging average. that because Geno Smith has played them. Uh, God damn it, David. This week, you heard me, Drew Locke starting. Anyways, because of that, my lock is the Broncos at, you know, three and a half point favorites and money line this week. And then my drop is both games of Dallas Rams and Miami Jets. Send them both to the graveyard. I don't know what's going to happen in those games. I, it's the two games that I just like, I don't even want to throw money on. Throw them out. Send it every other way, and that's all I got. Uh, I'm going to even backtrack and start at the end just because I so much agree. You burn the Dallas and Rams game with fire. It is going to be <laughs> so bad. I can't do it. Well, it, hold on. it was so such what a would drop. you What would you burn it with if it wasn't fire? Uh, I'd probably say, what, what, what's, that fuel? what's that whole <laughs> thing that you touch? It gets really bad. Oh, help Dry me ice? <laughs> dry ice. There you go. I mean, it's something like that. I'd burn it with dry ice. Acid. Whatever it is. Again, it's we're watching the Dahmer documentary. How do you not say acid? Oh, my God. That's a really good point. I'd really drop the you ball just there. put Dahmer on the Jet, the, the Dallas Rams game. That's the, that's how you kill the game. That's absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, but the lock, I, I this is how Watch confident I am. Oh, you're you're going to out here. Oh, I don't like that. Arnold that was Lobotomy. a little spoiler. L- little Why do you drill out there, so spoiler. Yeah, that's a little weird. You know why? Hey, because uh, we were, we were okay? in the bed, remember? Because I kept nailing my fucking feet on it. And yeah. I just need her to like say something so we know she's fine. All right. And yeah, it's fine. I'm totally fine. I'm watching you guys kill this podcast. Thanks, baby. <laughs> Stop. This mic is going to pick that up. She's fine. God. All right. Now I've got to get back on track. After. You, you really get into one when you get the prop lock and drop it. It's like you can feel the pods almost over, so you get on hinge. Well, it's like that. I'm closer to wings. I'm closer to beer. And this is my baby. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. All right. So I'll make this fast to get you your wings and beer. Prop, Nick Bosa is going to have at least a sack against Carolina. Baker is going to struggle. I'm rooting for him like David, but it's not going to happen. I've embraced the inevitable. And the lock is Pittsburgh plus 14. I told you to sprinkle money line, so that is an easy lock. You go with Kenny Pickett, throwing to George Pickens. Don't like the word pick being for both of them, but that's okay. We moved past it, and like we said, we're lobotomizing the Dallas and Los Angeles Rams game, which means, Stephen, wrap us up with your prop lock and drop in and send us on our way. My prop lock and drop, my prop, I'm going to go with James Robinson with two-plus touchdowns. I know that I was kind of harping on how bad that Houston Texans rush defense is. The value of it is plus 350, which, yes, that sounds good. But for someone, for you to call them to score two touchdowns, that is extremely low. You're you're usually in the market of the plus 600s, plus 7, plus 8, and way above. So for it to be plus 350, I like that. And it's kind of indicating that James Robinson's going to have a good day and expect him to at least get to the end zone twice. Also kind of a side bet, Dalvin Cook, anytime touchdown score, minus 126. It's going to happen because he is now facing the worst rush defense in the league. My lock of the week is the over in the Seattle-New Orleans game. 
I think that these can be two high-scoring games. I like what Gino and that offense is doing to put up enough points. And yeah, I talk really, dirty to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, do you want me to do it slower? Uh, and it's 77% completion percentage, which is an NFL record through the first four games. Uh, has more rushing, has more touchdowns, less interceptions, and more yards than Russell Wilson. Is that good? Did I get you off? Um, but give me, but give me the over in the Seattle versus the Saints. The defense of Seattle is just so bad. I think they're just going to score points on that side. Uh, my drop of the week here. Uh, I know I was kind of talking large about them. Arizona Cardinals, uh, the plus money against there. It's either going to be yes they cover or they lose by thirty points. There's no in between there, so I don't want to be on the bad side of that. And hope hopefully hindsight's not twenty twenty, and I ended up being right about the pick all along. But we will see. Until then. That's going to bring us to another end of an episode of Loss of Down. Thank you to our sponsors, tabbies.com, Premier Delta A Edible on the market. Make sure you use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order, as well as free shipping in Abby Turner Creative, abbyturnerphoto.com. Make sure to follow, follow her on Instagram at Sawdown and Sapphire. Also on all of her social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Loss of Down, Twitter, down underscore loss. Boys, do we have any parting words for the fans? Go Lions, go Raiders, go Browns. Go birds. Ooh, go birds. Got me going there. Birds uh, aren't real. Free ads. First of all, congrats on Blake Bortles, the boat retiring. Outstanding. And number two, sure you guys saw LeBron is entertaining the idea of wanting a franchise in Las Vegas. That is how you get me into the NBA because I will buy right into the Las Vegas. Whatever the team is, I will root for them from day one. That's how you get Wally as an NBA fan. What would their team name be? The Vegas don't hit on Saw 15? Well, you know how in, like, girls basketball, a lot of teams are lady blanks for whatever reason? The Aces the men, out there in Las yeah. Vegas by Mark Davis are the Aces. Why not just the So spades? why not make them the Gentleman Aces? Like, That's do a, the inverse. I would love it. The that, Gentleman Aces. That sounds kind of prostitute but I like oh, that. It's perfect. I, I like that. Well, yeah, what about the Vegas Escorts? There you go. Prostitution's legal. Uh, or like the Vegas Poker Chips. Or uh, what about the Vegas Spades or the Vegas Kings or can't the do Vegas Queens. Gamblers? Well, I guess especially now with gambling legalized everywhere, it's not like they can hide away from it like they used to. The Vegas Feeders. All right, that's all I the got. The Vegas Fe- – yeah, not until next time. He is Wally. He is David. I am Steve. Go Gentlemen Aces. Gentlemen Aces? That sounds like when you walk into a strip club. Oh, have you been here? Yes. I have the Gentlemen Ace. <laughs> <laughs>